All right, off we go. Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, Bud, look forward to what we have to go over today. Have a little bit of recruiting. Get to uh, get your thoughts out at uh, being an elite eleven. Going to break down the NBA draft, play by play, pick by pick. Just kidding. We won't be doing that. Uh, <laughs> I don't care about that at all. Now, now that the Magic didn't get, like, I don't even like the NBA, but I, if the Magic got number one, I, I was going to buy season tickets to take my boys because, like, I mean, apparently Victor is just, um, Ryan so, Rosillo was, was saying there's only like two players or three players in, in the entire league that you wouldn't trade for this guy right now. Okay. So, like, Okay. Yeah. That's uh that's something else. Love that. Oh man. Appreciate everybody t- tapping in live. Uh off the jump. Hog hunt. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're doing some things. Had a great time. I'm uh I'm tired in a manner that's impossible to <laughs> even describe, but went down, did some uh did some outdoor fundraising for uh the battles in and had a couple players join us. Incredible opportunity for uh for a lot of different people and uh, a great experience. So um, I am a little tired, but I appreciate your flexibility uh, with, with scheduling this, but uh, the Nolcast is, uh, is back together. Uh, Very much enjoyed your uh, recruiting focus show of uh, last week. We'll have a little bit of recruiting here in this one and uh, some great Patreon and listener questions uh, as well. So uh, with that, as always, We'll thank the OG sponsors, Tarpon Sellers, Louisiana Hot Sauce, uh, two of the greatest sponsors you could ever hope for, Tarpon Sellers, uh, 20% off use of code NOLCAST. And also, um, you know, when you're on your fourth case of Tarpon Sellers order and uh, with a NOLCAST coupon code, you can fall back on, uh, I believe I should know my own coupon code. This is stupid and embarrassing. I think the battle's end. Uh, also, we'll get you 20% off at oh, wow. uh, Tarpon Sellers as well, as we're fortunate to be able to uh, announce a corporate partnership there as uh, with uh, with those guys. So uh, love Florida State football and uh, great to continue to be able to work with people who are uh, passionate about the subject matter. With that, bud, let's uh, let's jump right into it, man. All right. So, I mean, dealer's choice. Uh we can talk Luke Cromanoak uh, at Elite 11. We can talk uh, Nick Saban's comments recently, both his whining and then also maybe some of the SEC's decision to stay at eight and, and what that might mean for the Knowles. Uh, we can talk Mike Loxley's comments, which I thought were extremely relevant to FSU. I don't, I don't know if he caught these in a – hasn't got a lot of attention. And then, yeah, last week's recruiting show did generate a whole lot of uh, Patreon-related questions. So okay. I was like, okay, uh, we, we can – they they kind of center around one or two topics, and we won't shy away from. Them. We'll, we'll we'll take all the questions, and I think some people are kind of kind of you know bridge jumping, maybe shouldn't be, and and uh, others maybe a little misguided on the on the other side. So we'll I guess we'll see. What what do you want to go first, man? Let's uh, let me go ahead and and get your thoughts on what Luke looked like out at Elite Eleven. Uh, what your takeaway from that was was. Uh, you know, obviously, look, we're in we're in the third week in June. There's not a ton of stuff out there, but I did love kind of the content wars that played out over uh, evaluation of of quarterbacks at uh, Elite Eleven. So, um, you know, besides you uh, being a, a business partner and co-host of mine, you happen to be one of the more informed people in recruiting uh, in the world, and always happy to lean on your opinion. And we, as a podcast, are fortunate to be able to have a, a one of our co-hosts who. Flew out there and actually saw the thing live. So uh, very interested to hear your takeaways. It was it was a good time. A little bit chilly. I don't know if you've seen the sunburn, man. I've got a crazy. It's I mean it's five days ago now, but like I, I think I just overestimated how much hair I have and underestimated my forehead. And and I just there's like a maybe a half an inch strip that just got totally totally nuked. And it was uh, it was quarter zip weather out there. It was really kind of chilly, uh, especially d- during the nighttime practice sessions. R- Redondo Beach High School. Uh, which is obviously right there at Redondo Beach uh, Union High School, sits down kind of in a valley, and it gets cold. Now, two years ago, I actually uh, I had to go to the auto parts store up the road to buy hand warmers for for our guys that were sitting up top shooting video because it was just like crazy cold. Uh, and you couldn't really feel your hands, which is tough to operate a camera because uh, nobody brought gloves to SoCal in June. But um, it was good. Uh, I, I thought Luke was one of the most impressive guys there. 
I know 24-7 Sports, I, I think, ranked him third in their final or third or fourth in their final, uh, which is, you know, that's upper quartile of, of the guys that got invited, right? There were 20 guys out there. I, I think three or four of them just don't belong, but they're always going to invite 20 because they don't want to make, like, they don't want to say the 11th kid finished last, right? So if you invite 20, it's like, okay, the 11 is basically the the upper half. Uh, Bama's kid, Julian Sane, won the MVP. Uh, I came away from the event saying the guy that I thought was the most impressive overall is still is still uh, uh, Dylan Riola, who, who's heading to Georgia and transferring up your way uh, to Buford, by the way. He headed headed to Georgia, literally. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, where he will be teammates with KJ Bolden. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought Croman Hoke looked uh, looked really good. Now, this quarterback class is not as good as as last year's quarterback class. I, I got asked. I was doing Mike Golick's show uh, or junior, but the senior was on there, and they're like, "How would you stack these against one another?" And I think like if I had to mash them together, like four out of the top five would come from last year's class, right? Like last year was a special, special class. And, and you can make an argument that like Aiden Childs is just as good as anybody in this class, except for maybe, uh, maybe Rayola, but specifically on Croman Hook, right? The, the motion's not funky as we, I, I think I've, I've known, but like, like just, you know, stacking up to everybody else, fairly clean motion guy has good velocity on his ball. Uh, he's not, he doesn't have a, a, a release that makes me feel like you're going to have to change it. You know, uh, he, he seemed to know where to go with the football and was able to make some quick decisions, uh, which was good in the seven on seven. And, and ultimately like he's a high upside guy, right? Like I, I this is a, a, I think he's the best quarterback prospect since Jameis. Now, will the rating sh- shake out that way? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I really liked Malik Henry before things kind of went south for him. Like I thought Malik Henry's sophomore and junior stuff was, was very good. I, I was not a DeAndre Francois guy. Uh, I, I didn't really didn't trust the accuracy. Remember all the crap we got for that, by the way? It's like this 50% passer in high school is, is or, or less is is concerning. You like you just you have to be able to hit open guys. In fairness, uh for any Gator fans watching. Cronenhoek did have a, a poor showing in the pro day uh, portion, which is a you, you make 20 throws that try to test different areas of your game. And uh, I went back and watched it because I recorded the whole thing. And I didn't see like one consistent mechanical flaw. It, to me, it looked like he was pressing as, as a couple guys did. Once they missed a throw, it, it seemed like they were trying to you know make every throw uh, perfect. But very strong on day one, very strong on day three. Uh, day two was a bit of a disappointment. Seems like a pretty mature kid. I've been able to talk to him a lot. And just, if you're FSU, you need to land a high-level quarterback commit. Not saying that Brock Glenn or Duffy cannot turn into high-level quarterbacks, but high-level prospect, uh, they are not. Kerman Hoke is. He's a different level of athlete and, I think, potential uh, than those two guys. And and he also seems really committed to recruiting for the Knolls. So, I mean, if you're if you're Mike Gravel and staff, like, you got to be just over the moon with how your quarterback recruiting is going. You know, right now, and uh, I, I don't know if, if if Elite Eleven put out their their rankings. I, I I trust our stuff, you know, at twenty four seven Sports a lot. But I mean, we had him top three, top four, and um, basically everybody that watched him was like, "Yeah, I see it." And the guy's only started one year of high school football. That's this is big time. How uh, Ricardo says, uh, "How big is the gap between Rayola, Sane, and Luke, considering he's played less quarterback than the first two? That's a good question. Um. Like if I made the rankings, Luke would not be in five star consideration right now. I'd want to see more out of him, right? More consistent, more more game exposure, have an even bigger senior year than he did as a junior. I, I think Sayan and Rayola have proved it more in terms of uh, upside and and on field performance. But uh, yeah, I, I to me it's it's a really impressive package. He, he was also rooting for other guys out there. I, I was standing next to his dad uh, during DJ Lagway's uh, seven on seven. You know, and some of the Lagway's guys weren't running hard at all. Like he was the last one of the event as, as Florida's QB commit. You know, kid who's you know pretty raw, but but has has big time ability. And like they were rooting for each other. You know, but I know they probably want like Florida Florida State battle, but like it, it, they're they they all want each other to do well, man. Um, he, he's a high level kid. Seems like a pretty mature kid. Like you look at him, he's kind of got like a a baby face still, and a guy that you you can tell will, will probably grow into his body. Uh, so FSU. 
really doing a nice job with quarterback recruiting. Norvell and Tokars uh, deserve some credit there for sure. Yep. Fortuitous to uh, to be able to <clears throat> get involved with Luke at the period that she did. And, uh, very highly uh, thought after quarterback prospect at this time. Uh, I will we say. got like Allstate to sponsor that segment, like quarterback recruiting. Allstate in good hands. You know? <laughs> good. No, no free ads. I love it. Absolutely. Sorry, you, you will say I, I, I interrupted you for a, for a dumb joke. Uh, not all that important of a thing, but our friend uh, Brandon Adams at uh, Dog Nation, a guy that I used to work with at 680 and started a very, very successful and large uh, team podcast uh, covering the dogs. And I always enjoy uh, getting his opinion on things. He brought something up to me. And this is a... This is like a not a massive deal, but Georgia has not signed a five star prospect from Gwinnett County since 2014. Bud, it's kind of interesting. Wow. Not what you would uh, think for those that aren't aware. Gwinnett County is uh, a large metro Atlanta county that's on the uh, the east side of Atlanta, and I only point that out because it's on the east side of Atlanta, meaning it is very close to Athens. It's like 50 minute ride from parts of uh, of Gwinnett County, and that's not. Uh, Something that will, you know, stay the case for long. They've just lost oh, a couple kids have chosen to go to Alabama, a couple kids other places. But uh, interesting that it's been nine years since uh, since Georgia had signed a, a five star from one of the more popular and, and talented uh, counties in the country when it comes to high school football. Uh, I talked to some guys who, who know Georgia well and have been through there, private quarterback coaches and, and different different folks. Georgia thinks it's going to have a real chance to break its own its own record of 15 draft picks this upcoming draft. Like, there's a real chance Georgia won a national title last year in what was like a pseudo rebuilding year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Which, well, uh, big big ups to Ohio State's kicker because uh, yeah. without you, it just wouldn't have been possible, my man. Also, uh, big ups to Nick Saban for wasting two years of Bryce Young and failing to win a title. Which brings us to our next, I think, our next topic here: Nick Saban's comments, him whining about not getting in the playoff, and. Uh, this I, we will bring this back to FSU. I just I, I couldn't pass the transition there. He was like, uh, I got told that you know we we'd be favored over three out of four teams in the playoff. Like, why why aren't we in the playoff? And to me, it seemed very like like not typical Saban to make these kind of comments because usually he's so process focused and focused on like how do we get better, how do we get better moving forward. And I'm like, yeah, but you were also favored over LSU and over Tennessee, and you played a, a you know, a nail-biting one-score game at home against a, a you know a, a terrible Texas A&M team, and also screwed around in a couple other games. And probably lose the Texas game if if Texas quarterback doesn't get knocked out. So like you just and you have no good wins. Other than that, though, like, like it's a it's a really good playoff case as as a two-win non you know non-division champion. Um, but those comments came from an interview. Did you watch the Joel Clyde interview? I have not seen it. No. I, I only watched parts of it. I, I didn't have time for the whole thing. Uh, but pairing those with the SEC deciding to stay at eight games, I think there's a number of reasons the SEC did decide to stay at eight games. But I think the way that the, the schools wanting to stay at eight convinced the schools wanting to go to nine was basically like, hey, wait a year. Let's put pressure on the playoff to make some kind of like RPI or strength of schedule formula, right? before we go to nine, because they are concerned that the additional strength of schedule will not be recognized by the committee, which I think is a valid concern, man. Like they mm-hmm. typically just rank these teams based on losses w- within certain ranges, obviously, you know, when, when I'm doing my playoff odds, I, I, I allow like an extra tolerance of like a 0.5 uh, loss for sec teams. So there is some of that baked into the committee's consideration, but, um, with respect to FSU, if like this Bama series and this Georgia series does get canceled, which I know we've you know, kind of discussed before that it certainly could, given the SEC's actions uh, for some of these other existing non-conference series that, that had to be canceled, including like, you know, Oklahoma's not going to play uh, play Georgia this year. And, and Michigan, was it Michigan, Texas, I think it is, or, or one of those got, uh, got swiped off as well and, and, and a few others. Like right now, this year, FSU's schedule strength is like 42nd. It's basically Clemson, LSU, and everybody else on the schedule drags it down. Now, if Florida and Miami get their act together, that's that's different. That, that, that will change. And I think you kind of have to project that maybe one of them will, if not both, eventually, probably. But does FSU need to be proactive in 
trying to schedule well enough to make sure they can get into the playoff as a second ACC team in years in which they don't win the ACC? Or like, are we worried about the ACC being a consistent one-bid league in this thing, given the schedule strength concerns? Like, If they get their way, Big Ten and SEC are going to dominate the schedule strength metrics unless you're really proactive in going out and scheduling non-conference opponents. And should you care? Like, if you don't manage to win a shitty ACC, do you actually really want to be in the playoff? <laughs> no, I mean, I know we laugh. No, no, like, no, it's, no I mean, it's a good question. Half, Absolutely. half these teams yeah. aren't trying. Wasn't laughing at the question as much as the way you framed it. I, I, I'd like it. Um, I just think this situation is going to resolve itself. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that conference expansions around the immediate corner, but I, I don't think it's going to be all that long. Uh, and I, I, it's probably not the, uh, the hypothetical that you're asking me to schedule around. And I agree with you. If you, if, if you really think you're going to be in the ACC for a while, then yeah, you probably do need to have something else out there. I just don't know that you're even going to be able to get it. I mean, I, I think these scheduling uh, requirements and models that some of these conferences are going to fall into I don't know how many big time non-conference games you're really going to be able to schedule. Uh, I, I think you're going to have nine, perhaps even 10 conference games uh, at some point. So, you know, maybe that 10th game is five years down the road or something. I'm not saying it's going to happen immediately, um, but you, you pay a lot for content because you want the content and you want to monetize it. Um, that's where the content is. So. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Did you see these Mike Loxley comments? I did see those. I did see those. Those are very interesting. Uh, I, mean, I wanted certainly... to pick your brain on this as somebody who literally runs like one of the most successful collectives out there. Uh... So there's a, there's a, I don't want to say a battle behind the scenes at every school. Cause I don't know that there is, nor does it have to be, you know, you can, the fundraising uh, facility building, apparatus whether for florida state it's seminal boosters uh it's it's different at each school and nil you know they don't necessarily have to be entities and and i'm very proud of the relationship that that florida state has uh behind the scenes with with every entity that uh that needs to interact communicate uh to be successful so please don't read into these words as me uh talking about what's going on domestically um but there is thought that, you know, there's only so many resources you're going to start to, you know, what can you really do? Can you build the building and be competitive from an NIL standpoint? Um, at a school like Maryland, I, I think you've got to be better than competitive. You know, it, it falls back to the, the institutions, your historical draw um, at Florida state. You don't, you have to be competitive. You, you damn better believe you have to be competitive, but you don't have to be, the most competitive, you know, if, um, if a, if a premier big 10 team is offering, you know, one, do you have to get to one? Uh, I don't know, but do you, can, do you need to probably get to 0.85? Yeah. Yeah. You probably do. You know, you, you've, you've got to be in the area. So, um, Loxley's comments in and of itself were, were something to the effect of, what a hundred and fifty million dollar facility would be nice, but you know recruits will get dressed wherever they want to if it means that they have a twenty five k nil deal. Oh no, uh, it's worse. Okay, they are they already moved into the facility. Okay, so it's done. Yeah, he's like, it's nice, but the timing on this is bad. Recruits don't really care about that stuff anymore. They would get dressed in a trash can for twenty five thousand. Okay. Which, if you're a Mike, if you're a Maryland booster, I think you're, and you donated to this big facility, you're probably like, "Hey, Mike Loxley, like, like <laughs> bro, seriously?" Yeah, yeah, that's um, that is tough, tough to it say, is, particularly at a place like Maryland. Um, yeah, it's brazen for a coach to come out. Like, I think the fact that we have active head coaches saying this kind of stuff now mm -hmm. shows how much bullshit it is that we need facilities to recruit. Yeah, like I really like it. it to me, it's always kind of been, eh, you know, yeah, like, uh, the play sucks, but like it, it's, I, I thought it was always kind of a house of cards argument. Yeah, it can't. And it's maybe to a lesser extent what we just said, you know, they can't suck, but you need to have decent facilities. But Florida State's most recruiting, historical recruiting loss ever was for a kid to go get his, his ankles taped in a cafeteria. Okay. So there's only, 
they only uh, they only matter so much, I guess. Um, and obviously, it's case dependent, and you know, if you're one of five schools that's uh, recruiting a kid, and everybody else has cutting edge facilities and uh, has you know obviously had a had a ten year run out uh, on spending on some of the more latest bells and whistles and and you don't have anything. Yeah, that might become an issue, but uh, you know, relationship with coach and staff is always going to be number one. And then, you know, people can, can kind of put their own list together as to where NIL facilities and, and other stuff falls at this point in time. And also there's, um, there's NIL and there's also traditional recruiting, you know, mm-hmm. no, people do that differently. A lot of schools that, love to tell you that they don't get as heavily involved in NIL or still real heavily in, you know, traditional recruiting. So there's, uh, there's different representations at, uh, at any institution and you can certainly figure out, you know, that of what is most appealing for you as an individual recruit. Our, our friend and former colleague, uh, Stephen Godfrey, I wrote a really good book or a really good, um, uh, piece on traditional recruiting. If you yes. One of the better pieces that's ever been written on said subject matter. Some people thought it was fake. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he's he's told that story now. How the SEC basically accused him of, of making it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and 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 then all the stuff came out. Yeah, Godfrey's got a hell of an imagination. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> oh man. Um. Okay. Let's take this question from uh, Dark Knight Mentality. He says, "Why do we care who FSU plays in the non-conference? The key is winning the ACC and getting to the playoffs and try to make a run from there." Right. Completely agree. Yeah, like there's there's no doubt. But the reason I asked I asked Graham the question was in years in which you don't win the ACC, you would still like to be able to make the expanded playoff if you feel like you're a good football team, right? Now you might say, well, if you don't win the ACC, you suck. But like that's not necessarily true. Clemson is recruiting very well right now and and appears to. Uh, be attempting to change in certain areas, maybe not not the portal, but like they did go out and get a, a offensive coordinator who seems to know what he's doing. And um, so, like, my thought was, do you worry about this being a one bid league to steal the basketball term in the twelve team playoff format? If the rest of the league isn't really trying, like, is kind of my contention, right? You mm-hmm. know, in many many cases, and in order to offset that, if they're going to go to a more strength of schedule uh, criteria, which I think they're going to do. I think that's one of the reasons the SEC didn't go to eight, along with all the infighting and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe promises being made that uh, not all the membership was checked upon before they they made them, uh, kind of Kevin Warren style. But if, if that happens, if we go to more of like a strength of schedule based metric, at at present, if they, if these SECs, uh, you know, rival, not rivalries, but the SEC non-conference home and homes get scratched. FSU's not going to rate very well strength schedule-wise, unless Florida or Miami get their act together. They yeah. kind of need that to happen. But th- that's why I asked it, Dark Knight. I, I appreciate the, the live question, certainly. As you know, great to have uh, live engagement. And I'll just throw in that, you know, again, as long as this conference is, as long as this conversation is taking place with Florida State in this conference, um, I can just tell you from a, a letter, a little bit of a better look behind the scenes and the economics uh, and business of the sport, dude, you need a second brand to put on that home schedule, uh, particularly when it's when it's the Miami year, if this is what Miami is right now. I mean, yeah. thank goodness that all these guys are returning and, and you've got one of the better, you know, you may have one of the better five or six teams in college football next year because otherwise that schedule is – depressing the home schedule that you would otherwise have to offer. I mean, if this is a, a team that's projected to go eight and four with that home schedule, um, it, that it's a totally different situation for the, uh, you know, the economies uh, that tie themselves to Florida state athletics and Florida state football in particular. In- including some of our sponsors, obviously. Uh, I, so. I, I agree with you. Now people do show up for winners almost regardless of who you're beating. It, mm-hmm. it, it seems, you know, but uh, yeah, no, I, Dark Knight said thanks in the, thanks in the chat. Awesome, man. I, I appreciate that. Uh, something else we appreciate is if you guys want to come see us August 12th in Tampa for the Tampa Knolls season kickoff 
we are going to be the VIP speakers. And if you go and we, if you check in the show notes, man, uh, promo code NOLCAST gets you in special rate VIP include. I, I was talking to Mike Helquist yesterday, giving the rundown on, on everything in the VIP package. Do we get this, by the way? Like, since we are the speakers, I think, like, I, I would like this. This interests me quite a bit. <laughs> Top shelf open bar, food, private performances from the marching chiefs, previous FSU players, and an automatic entry into a raffle for two LSU tickets in the lower bowl between the 30 and 40 yard line, which is a $600 face value. And uh, if you have checked StubHub, maybe quite more than that, even. I mean, no, that's... face value. Okay. If you, I, what do you think the StubHub value is on? tickets in the lower bowl on the 30 to 40 like yeah Let's look two, i can two tickets there is probably what two thousand bucks probably somewhere in that i was going to say somewhere between 16 and 1800 uh based off yeah what i looked at last week um, i talked to a buddy of mine yesterday at, at, at the golf club he, he was looking for tickets he was wondering if i had a hookup i was like I, for this game I, I really don't um all right i will tell you one thing the that top I would... row is 200 each in the whole stadium <laughs> I, I will never, from a, my position, the battles in share like conversations that I have with parents other than this one. And this is a good indicator as to the level of demand for tickets. No, I, I've had a couple kids' parents ask me if they could, if I could help them get additional tickets for this game. That that's where you are with a ticket demand. And I can tell you, our friends at the ticketing office and everything else are having a uh, having a challenge on their hands. This is a great challenge. It's the challenge that you want. But you've got a lot of people that have given to Florida State for a long time that uh, that probably think they should have a few more tickets than they do for this LSU game. It is, uh, it's great to have a, a ticket this much in demand, and uh, it's just great to be back at a, a level of the sport where you're, you know, you're literally playing what could potentially be a playoff game as, as the week one kickoff. That's that's incredible. So Yeah, I, I know got, got a lot of friends coming to town, and uh, they're kind of doing the thing where it's like, all right, like, Honey, normally, like you'd go to the game with me, but like, like <laughs> yeah, maybe, right. maybe, like, do we, you know? And and like, so my my wife obviously went to LSU, so she's going. Like, mm -hmm. she's like, I'm I'm not playing that. And I'm like, well, babe, we're we're a little different, but yeah, I, totally. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Nolcast. Our our inbox was full. You want to hit some of these? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll uh. <clears throat> try to take us through a couple of these here real quickly. Larry asks, I listen to other media members who don't project Byers or Cypress to start, yet they think Florida State's a national contender, uh, yet they think FSU is actually a national title contender. How does that make sense? Why is there reason to think that some of the other options at offensive line can hold up? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Like, should you... Like I tell you, my projections include Cypress and Byers being what FSU thought they were when they went after them in the transfer portal. If they're not, like I know you can like guys like Jerry and Jones and and Washington, and in theory, like if Scott's healthy, obviously, like we've had Robert on the show, like I, I just the guy just has not been able to stay healthy for long stretches, which I think has hampered his development. He he actually has two years left, right? I, I you know so I, I I'm not writing him off. But I do think 2024 upside, based on what I've seen these guys do in their, in their college careers so far, I, I think for this team to be all it can be, I think you need to realize the athleticism and, and get get these guys right and get them in the lineup of Byers and Cypress. Like, if Byers and Cypress are not starting, I'm not picking up a sheet to win the ACC. I think you need those guys to be high-level players for you. That's why you went out in the portal in a tactics. I don't think you had high-level players at those positions to be totally frank. So I, I, I don't think there are a true national title contender regardless. I think that's kind of crazy. Like we just said, to open the show, Georgia thinks it's going to break its record for draft picks in a single year at 15. Mm -hmm. So that's like what seven starters, not seven starters, not getting drafted in this year. Plus like we know Malachi Williams or uh, Michael Williams and Malachi Starks are probably both first or second round picks almost certainly if they stay healthy for them. So you know, if, to be a natty contender, you're looking at almost everybody on your on your your starting lineups getting drafted, and you know, as we cited the stat the other day, and an average of seven first rounders, and, and you're too deep. But like, I mean, 
yeah, I, I think they need buyers in Cyprus to start and play well to be all they can be. I, I, I think your ceiling is more limited with some of the other guys. And that's even though I know the staff likes some of these other guys too. I just, I think there's a reason you went out and got them. Uh, in my opinion, they're both starters. And uh, I've had kids on the team who would potentially not be a starter because they are a starter, uh, particularly in the defensive back room, acknowledge that Cyprus is probably going to be a starter. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, a, a little bit of an interesting narrative around, uh, like, I don't know. Maybe people thought that he was just going to come in and be Dion in spring practice or something like that. I, I don't. Fintrell Cypress is going to be a hell of a player for Florida State, and he's going to be a starter. And Byers, there's not too many other dudes in that room that look like that guy uh, who are who are that aren't like that don't have more to go through their development cycle to be ready to start playing. Yeah. Let me put it that way. OK, right. um, Simmons, Armella long term. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe Jalen. Yeah. Those dudes are going to be starting. Okay, that that's that's my thought too, right? Like I, I I wouldn't read, I wouldn't read, I wouldn't overly read it to the acclamation uh, that is spring practice. You know, I, I I don't have any indication that they feel like they missed on those guys. You know, and I was just up there, so yeah. All right, uh, now we have a huge wall of questions that are basically just like. They're all asking kind of different things. I guess we can take them individually and just kind of. If your question was paste was was copy pasted into the Google Doc later, you may get a shorter answer because we've already answered it uh, somewhat. But you you can I guess since it's recruiting, if you want to ask me most of these and then kind of chime in where uh, where you see fit on them. Yeah, sure. Paul says, shouldn't <clears throat> Florida State be burying Miami and Florida in recruiting? To me, this feels like potentially a huge missed opportunity. Well, I mean, look, uh, Florida had a great weekend, obviously. They they added, I mean, they're up to number third in the country on, on 24-7 sports. They have, you know, two five-stars, nine four-stars on, on, on the composite. I think even a little bit better than that in the 247 rankings. Um, Florida State is 11th right now with, uh, you know, one five-star and seven uh, four-stars. In the composite, 24-7 is a little bit lower on some of those guys. Which, before you get on me or 24-7 about this, I will note, do you know what service had the highest rating last year on all five of FSU's top five commits? It was 24-7 sports. So, I'm pretty sure there's no grand conspiracy to hold down FSU's rankings at 24-7 sports, okay? It just, there's year-to-year -year differences of opinion on some players. My quibble with this question is Miami is not smoking FSU and recruiting right now. They are 26. They have three four-stars, or yeah, three four-stars and nine three-stars. So did Miami smoke you in recruiting last year? Yes. Are they doing so far this year? No. If you, if you have concern about this, it's not that you're getting smoked. It's that you're not doing the smoking. And that, yes, like I think it's very fair to say in recruiting right now, through the month of June, with, I mean, cancellations happening by the minute for this big official visit weekend FSU has going on. Now, they did get K.J. Bolden and J.J. Jeremiah Smith on campus this week, which, like, the top safety in the country and the top receiver in the country, who's, like, the best receiver in a couple of years out, out of high school, both on campus. Now, obviously, I think Bolden's probably going to go to Georgia, and I think Jeremiah Smith will likely stick with Ohio State. But if he doesn't, Maybe because, you know, something, uh, uh, you know, has happened with Ohio State's receivers coach and off and off the coordinator who are one and the same. Brian Hartline gets another job. Maybe you're in a position to be, to be a really good two there, obviously. I, I know Luke has, you know, connected some with him out there trying to, you know, chat him up at Elite 11. And, and you know, like all the quarterbacks are recruiting, right? Like, duh, that's everybody in the world would want to throw to him. But, yeah, man, th this is a missed opportunity, right? Like Florida State uh, – I think they're doing a good job recruiting on the offensive side of the football. It's a poor offensive line crop nationally and within the state. So that's probably the only spot they're not recruiting well on offense right now. But reasonably, there's not there's not really guys out there that I would ding them that they should go get. Zandamela hurt. 
when he committed to USC. Obviously, they, it appears they misread that situation as, as to what the important factors were there. And um, But Atkins is a guy on staff who I have confidence in because I've seen him go out and fight big-time battles and win them before. But they don't have big-time recruiters elsewhere on the staff, in my opinion. Um, I'm not second-guessing the Randy Shannon promotion. I, I first guessed it. I said it was a bad move. And I think Mike, for the most part, makes good staff moves. But that one is one that, you know, to me is a non-competitive hire. Florida should not be beating you in recruiting, okay? Given FSU's success on the field, given their strong NIL reputation, right? Like the fact that you don't see all these negative stories out there about it. And they, they seem to have, obviously, you guys have relationships with a ton of players on, on the team. Like there's very obvious the, the opportunities are available once you get on campus, they should be putting distance between themselves and the Gators and Canes. And they're not like that, that it, frankly, like their high school stuff right now at certain positions is, is kind of embarrassing. So yeah, like this is a missed opportunity and it won't hurt you this year. It won't hurt you next year, probably, but like two years down, down the road, you're like, yeah, man, that's, that's a, that's a missed opportunity. And it's, it's going to cost you at some point if, if things don't change. Yeah. I just, <clears throat> Speaking to the broader fan base, I just wouldn't get worried about recruiting. If if the themes and things that you're saying in June are present in the first week of December, yeah. then worry about it. You're you're in a really good place for the first time in a long time. Like you can you can slowly build in recruiting, and your appeal is going to be there. You have a more consistent. Uh, trajectory with which to build relationships on is what I'm trying to say. So like if you're a program that's worried about going seven and five, then you need to get, in my opinion, as many horses in the barn as you can, and then try to hang on to them. Right. Um, if you're a yeah. school like Florida state that thinks they're going to have a very successful season, then, you know, you need to be in a good place. You need to have a good relationship and then you need to let the season speak for itself. Um, I'm not just look, the recruiting that takes place in May, June, and July is uh, exceptionally important, and I'm not downplaying it. Um, particularly, I would say that's the biggest change in the early signing day period, but is the is the critical factor of the summer months. Like you've got to be windows, there. Yeah. You've got to have that relationship because once the season starts, yeah, you might be able to get the kid down every once in a while, but it's tough to really make up significant ground once the high school football season starts. If you've got a kid that signed in December and at this point it feels like damn near kid or every kid signs in December. Yeah. So no um, it's important. I would not be losing sleep over it right now. I think Florida state's going to do very well when it comes to high school recruiting. And obviously the staff has shown a level of fluency in operating in the portal that maybe nobody else in the country has shown. Completely agree about that. Uh, somebody who we know follows recruiting a ton, our friends at Legendary Home Loans, 850, or 850, gosh, I'm just, I'm just so Tallahassee focused. <laughs> Sorry, guys. 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. I think we had 500 all-time loans to these dudes. An amazing experience. I, I, I'm two of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just... working on trying to become 501 or wherever we are myself on a project in uh in Virginia, but nonetheless, I mean, it's just been an incredible experience. I've got a list that I'll try to have ready for probably not next podcast, but uh, but the one after that of just people that have recently gotten a loan, just been incredible. And Shannon is, man, Shannon's the best. And Chad is kind of orchestrating the whole thing with a level of passion and, and uh, drive for Florida State Athletics that you're not really going to see held by, I don't know, anybody else. Uh, out there. So great people, great people to work with, great people to have confidence and faith in, you know, one of the larger transactions that you're going to enter into in life. Uh, the legendary team lives up to their name and uh, we couldn't, we couldn't speak more highly of them. No doubt about it. You guys do a tremendous job. Uh, Tom's question is kind of related. Uh, isn't the only reason FSU fans are flipping out and recruiting because Florida just had a huge weekend? I don't think it's the only reason, but it's certainly an inflection point that like you see your neighbor, you know, putting up a huge project. And you're like, uh oh, what, what's what, what, what's going on here? And you see a lot of these official visits, you know, particularly in the front seven. Uh, that's the only that's the only real area I'm concerned about. 
And, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, like the, they, they failed last year in front seven recruiting, right? Like we, we got told how bad our rating was on some of these guys. And yet like some of these guys didn't make any of the practice reports in the fall for a reason or in the spring for a reason, you know, they at least tried at the end last year. Yeah. You just right? lost your, you lost your difference maker. Yeah. Like, but like, I mean, at linebacker, I, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, they got Nicholson thanks to Derek Ray. I, I, I'm not, you know, whatever. Uh, I, yeah, I think Florida is the main reason FSU fans are flipping out right now. That's Tom's probably right about that. Maybe not the only, but probably the main one. Sean kind of dogpiles this and says, uh, how badly are Clemson, Miami, and Florida going to abuse our front seven in the future? I think Graham nailed it, right? It's If it stays this way and you sign zero, what, Nicholson last year was the only guy in the top 247 in the front seven signed this year on track to sign zero, then yeah, then they will abuse you if this, or unless you get really, really good job in the portal again, you know, that you could, you could hold your own against those teams. Again, like it's June. It's not time to like freak out, freak out. I I just love the mentality of a college football fan. It is, uh, you know, where is it that we can freak out? Okay. I found the area. Uh, I get it and I, I love it. And it's the reason why, this and many other media products uh, that have to do with Florida State football are successful as they are, but uh, oh, it's it's too funny. Uh, Jeff, this is you, you're right, but there was a consistent theme in the questions today. Uh, Jeff asked, "Why are people freaking out about recruiting? Florida State has shown uh, portal is the way of the future." Interesting conversation here. I mean, you always have to be able to do yeah. well at high school. We know that. Uh, yes, portal is the way of the future. Um, I'm not trying to pat myself or the battles in on the back when I say this. I don't know that we will have a period where I think the the economics of the market are starting to shift significantly. The portal is going to be um, a very different place to operate in within the future and, and not as though it was easy this year. Um, but people see the value in retention and uh, selectively working in the portal and that's going to be a a different landscape uh as as people adjust and course correct so um i would not i think florida state's gonna have a great opportunity in the portal uh mike norvell's personality i think particularly fits to portal recruiting and the fact that he can have a very quick honest and authentic conversation with you and that's either going to land or not and then you both sides can make an adjustment quickly from there uh so I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to say Florida State's going to go away from the portal. I, I, there are some strengths there, and they seem to particularly be able to make some evaluations that uh, that other staffs haven't previously. But I would not rest yourself on the idea that Florida State's going to go in and and you know beat the hell out of everybody else that's in the portal for for each season because that's just what they do. I know you're a big economics guy. Are, are you familiar with the, uh, the the first mover advantage theory? Yes, uh, very much so. So for the audience, I mean, basically the, in business, somebody who is like first to market or, or first to do something oftentimes has like a big advantage over his competitors for a certain period of time uh, and can ride that success. I think Nolcast is actually a pretty good example of this. You working mm-hmm. in radio and going to a conference and be like, hey, this thing called podcasts are coming. And I'm like, what's a podcast? And you're like, just talk, bro. And we'll talk to each <laughs> other talk. and record it on our phones and like have our wives make fun of us for we're talking on our phones to each other, you know, 12 years ago ish, 13 years ago. Anyway, it, like it is an example, but I think Florida state in the portal is, uh, is an example of first mover advantage, which you will have diminishing returns from first mover advantage and have to continue to, to evolve and, and improve as others take a look at what you're doing. Like they've exploited the market inefficiency through the use of the portal so far. And I think that they will always probably be pretty good at the portal because of their established reputation as being able to ingratiate those kids into their culture, right? When they get on campus, give them a fair shot, right? And and, and teach them quickly. I think your point about some of the market inefficiencies of the portal uh, certainly is going to apply uh, as other schools try to attack it maybe not quite the extent, but like maybe, you know, some schools decide they're going to take three or four, whereas they took zero before, uh, particularly the, the, the high end schools, if, if they're going to do so. 
I also do think that teams will be doing a better job of lock, locking up, it's kind of a weird term, of locking in their future players or their, their players to where they're not hitting like the good ones, to where they're not hitting the portal. Right. Mm-hmm. So and I think we saw that some this year. I don't know that this year's portal uh, was as talented at the top end as last year's was, to be frank. I think it may have been deeper, but if if your goal is to win a national title, you are a team that needs to be caring about the top end. And I I, I don't know that that the uh, there may not have been a Jared Verse in the portal this year. There certainly was no you know super high level tackle in the portal this year. You got guys fighting tooth and nail over a kid from Rhode Island that Oregon ultimately beats out Ohio State and a couple a couple of others for. So to circle back to the to was it Tom that asked this? Who asked this? Uh, Jeff. Jeff asked this. Excuse me. To circle back, I do think, again, and go back to our episode when we talked about how FSU was smart to extend Mike Norvell. I think his coaching ability and the fact that they do do the portal well establish a relatively consistent expectation of floor for the program. However, as you inc- improve the roster, Right as the ro- level of talent goes up in the roster, the number of players in the portal who can actually help you goes down. There's an inverse relationship there. For instance, why did Georgia take zero portal guys last year and what two this year? There's just very few players who can crack in the portal. There's few players who can crack a national championship level roster, which is the goal. Like winning the ACC is a goal. The ultimate big prize goal is to get to the playoff be a talented enough roster that your guys can coach it up to take home the, the, the big trophy. FSU's done it three times in the last, what, 30 years? So it's doable, certainly. Um, so, like, I don't think the portal is the way of the future. We may be sitting here and thinking, you know what, honestly, like, we may, we already, we already may have hit Max Portal in Tallahassee. It's possible. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but... Yeah, so I kind of agree with Jeff, but like I think their portal use establishes the floor, right? Like it's hard to see FSU being bad with, with how good they've been at the portal. Before we get to uh, <clears throat> to Chris's question, I think Chris was an email question, interesting one. Uh, we'll thank our friends at Congruity. CongruityHR.com is the website. Uh, been fantastic uh, for us as a small business. I'm speaking from the perspective of the Nolcast. Um, I have told you that the battle's in and started working with congruity and that has been uh, nothing but fantastic, uh, means that we don't have to sit there and send wires all day, which is a hell of a thing to take off, uh, the workload, but no, I mean, uh, Matt Lewis is exceptional. Got a great team around him. Uh, I don't know in the three years that we've worked with Matt that I've ever gotten anything other than exceptionally positive feedback, uh, from him. So congruityhr.com as always. And, if you want to shoot me a direct message or something else, as far as a third-party introduction, I am happy to do so. So a big thank you to our friends at Congruity. Chris asks, does Mike Norvell think he has already made it? <laughs> does he realize how far his roster this is? This had to be an email because I, I, I didn't put this one in the doc. Okay. This, this had to be an email. Does Mike, yeah, does he think he's already made it? Does he realize how far his roster is from where he needs to be to win a national championship? Winning the ACC is a goal, not the goal okay yeah okay we, we use that that term on this show a lot um no like guys mike norvell is not dumb i'm relatively certain that like if you truth serum him that there are certain teams out there that would that go into the matchup he'd be like yeah we're we're, we're, we're in trouble uh, for this one now maybe just maybe just one this year maybe, maybe it's just the team in athens right um or you know maybe the team in columbus who, who knows i I, I don't think that he thinks this roster is is like in its final form at, at all. Like, there, there's no way. Uh, I think he knows that he has a, a pretty good ball club this year with a chance to go win the ACC. And, and, you know, like, even though you'd be an underdog, I think, in certain playoff matchups, there's no rule that says, like, the dog has to lose. Like, there's a rule that says it will lose more often than it wins. But, there's no rule that says it, it it has to to lose. No, like, I mean, you don't think you don't think Mike thinks he's already made it, do you? Like, like, uh, if I, mean, he's I think kind of, I had to laugh. It's just kind of preposterous, dude. That that I'm, not that I know 
Mike Norvell at some great level. I don't. Um, yeah, my, Mike Norvell in complacency or whatever, whatever he's made it could be interpreted as. I don't. I, I would give the strongest possible pushback on. Um, it's, I don't know if you watch the climb videos. Some of them are great, uh, but there's a yeah. clip in the most recent one where his daughter is trying to describe her dad's energy levels. And she's literally just like, my dad is like, <laughs> like he runs at like a hundred degrees Celsius. Yes. That's what the guy does, man. I'm not, don't, you don't have to worry about Mike Norvell and complacency and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, it's, it's something else. So yeah, the ACC is a goal, not the goal. Um, but you need to win the ACC first before you start to look at any, other real uh, massive goals out there and you need to become the, you know, a dominant or the dominant force in this conference. Again, if you're going to then, you know, go on to look at trying to take down Georgia, Ohio state, Alabama, et cetera, or at least teams with that level of talent roster. So uh, Chris, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate the email. Uh, there's aspects of that question that are a little, little wild, but uh, nonetheless, it's appreciated. <laughs> Uh, Brian says you've, well, I, I, since I'm the one on cover three, I, I think Bud, this probably reference uh, to you. Yeah. yeah. Has said on cover three repeatedly that nobody works his staff as hard as Mark Cristobal does on the recruiting trail. Is that a shot at Mike? No, I, I think it's just a factual statement. Like you talk to guys that have worked for, uh, for Cristobal, like they know how hard he works them. I don't think Mike Norvell works his staff as hard as Mario does in recruiting. In fact, I know it. I think guys on the mic staff would tell you that. Like, I think they, they have better work-life balance when it comes to, like, that's not, that they, it's not saying that they're lazy or that they don't work hard, right, at, at all. Like, Cristobal has a reputation of, like, grinding the hell out of his guys. Basically, everybody I've, ever, I've talked to that's ever worked for him, it, it like, the guy's just a maniac about recruiting. He, he sends all of his text messages himself, and he's carrying on, like, 50 or 60 separate text conversations starting at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, like, like I, I, I you, you hear the stories about it. So I, I mean, do I think Mike could work his staff harder in recruiting? I do. If if you're going to keep the level of recru like of recruiter quality on uh, at some positions on the staff, I think he could work them harder. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want me to be honest about it, but that's not a shot at Mike or at Billy or Nick Saban or Kirby. Like, it's not like just the hardest working in the state. I, I mean. That's Mario's reputation. It's like how the guy wins. You don't hire Mario Cristobal and be like, I'm going to get some great in-game management here. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. pro yeah. Probably not, right? Like that's – he he busts his ass recruiting-wise and loves recruiting. I, I think Mike loves coaching ball, honestly. And I think he understands that you have to get players in order to win at this level. But, like, to me, Mario's kind of more of a recruiter. I think Mike's more of a ball coach. And yeah. I, I, that's not necessarily a bad thing if you have the right mix on staff of good recruiting. Before we get to the final two questions of today's show, we'll thank our friends at Charlie Park. Uh, CharliePartRooftopBar.com is the website. Um, I am working on something with uh, with Matt Thompson. We'll have it by the end of the week as far as uh, us partnering with their uh, Orlando tailgate that they're doing for the LSU game. Uh, if it's my understanding, it is, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a great spot, very close to the, to the uh to the stadium there. And I believe there'll be a indoor slash uh, air conditioning component of it, which if you are outside in Orlando first week of September, uh, that's probably going to be fairly critical. So uh, conditioning of the air and bathrooms uh, become a vitally important aspect of those things. And uh, look forward to telling you the Nolcast listener more about what we're doing with our great partners uh, for the table restaurant group and what we're doing, particularly for the LSU tailgate. But as always, Charlie Park, best rooftop bar in Tallahassee, uh, without a doubt. And uh, we thank them as uh, as always for the support that they've given this podcast since the first day that we pressed record. All right. We got how many we have left here? One, two, we got two. I think so, yeah. If I if I'm seeing this right, uh, second to last question comes from David. Says the difference in the offensive and recruiting and the defensive recruiting has to app has to open Mike's eyes that his staff has different streaks and weaknesses. Comma right. I love that. 
I love the modifier. I made a, yeah, I made yeah. a, I made an in-fly edit there. Uh, we we yes. will take your question. We may not take a question <laughs> verbatim. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, again, I think it comes back to like what Graham said. If it continues, right? If if the if this disparity continues, then yeah, I think he'd have to take a look at it. And be like, what what are we doing? What are we doing on offense that we're not doing on defense? Right. Uh, we're not winning on offense and losing on defense. We're not we're not niling on offense and not niling on defense. So like there's, but like I will say, while I agree with you as far as like you got to judge it on the final results, I do think the ability to connect, establish relationships, and get kids on campus over the summer is something you can evaluate. And if there's a, if if Mike determines there's a disparity between offense and defense, and uh, I mean really how can you not? Uh, then I think that should be a, a factor uh, that you know that he uses in evaluating his moves, right? Um, Kevin says, uh, Bud has said the Randy Shannon promotion was a bad idea from the start and that keeping Adam Fuller is a gamble. But does it even matter how well the defense plays if the recruiting will be this poor? This is kind of the same question, I, I guess. I, yes, it definitely matters some. Like if they come out and play lights out and Mike Norvell is like, all right, Adam Fuller... And Randy Shannon are the reason that this is a top five defensive unit in the country or something. I think you're going to cut these guys more slack than if they, you know, play in like, like a top 20 defense, but recruit to like a top 25 only level on, on deep. Yeah, guys, it, it definitely matters. Like all the factors matter. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. We'll see. We got we to gotta get questions. For this is kind of depressing. Let's do some yeah, questions. questions from the live chat. I mean, You've got different pieces there that can recruit fairly low, fairly well. I mean, I, I think Papuchas obviously suffered a tough loss at the end of last year's recruiting. Papuchas at least tries. Yeah. Like he's texting big time kids, offering like you're, nobody's having to tell him, "Hey, John, like you want to go ahead and offer some high level kids." I, I, I'm not convinced that's that's that way up and down the lineup. Like mm -hmm. I think he, I mean, he, he's tried and lost, but he's at least tried. Like you said, I mean, the, the Falk thing last year was was really tough, right? Um, he tried on Nigel Lee Kelly. Yeah. I mean, no yeah. prize for second place, but probably, yeah. probably should have won that one. But, um, yeah, it's just the way it plays out. So, um, yeah, we'll see. A lot of these questions will resolve themselves. And I, I think you're right that this, uh, summer period does offer us a kind of unique, um, you know, like if this is horse racing, it's a good quarter mile mark. You know, uh, and I'm not saying it's a quarter mile into the race. It's just a, a place where you can have a de decent idea as to where these horses are. Um, and if the end of the race looks like it looks like right now, then, yeah, I'd, I'd expect some things to be addressed. Um, but we'll watch it uh, play out. And uh, the interesting tone from the fan base this morning, uh, we'll have some, uh, you know, continue to take listener questions and, and kind of see where the fan base shifts on this uh and if it does that'd be a good thing probably because there'll be some documented wins on the recruiting trail to yeah. maybe move some people off where they are right now uh ricardo castro how much coffee is too much coffee i try i, I drink a lot of coffee during the season i try to drink less in the off season so that it has the effect yeah it's not a, a plug at all, but for me, it's uh, it's the Celsius equation that I have I to see. run. So, uh. um, we uh, <clears throat> I know Pate has told this story on Late Kick before. If you if you listen to Josh or not, uh, we're pretty blessed at twenty four seven to have like two of the biggest you know shows out there. And uh, I don't think he had worked in an office before that had an espresso machine. So this is back at the old, like the Brentwood 24-7 sports office. And he's told some version of the story, but it, you guys will get a kick out of this. And it only did espresso. Like, I think the Americano button was broken. Anyway, but I'm watching him. I never met this guy. We, we He and I both got hired about the same time, right before the pandemic. And, you know, we're, we're pretty blessed to, to get in. So I don't know if we're here, if, you know, if, if they wait a couple more months. And he's filling up his cup with espresso shots. <laughs> To get a full cup of coffee. And I'm like, I'm just. Okay. And uh, yeah, he was like, I, I I could like hear the air in my ears. It was. 
Um, well, that Ricardo may be the answer to your question. Uh, when you're when you're subbing out espresso for coffee, and uh, and when you get to the point where you can hear the air in your ears, that's uh, uh, that's something else. Now I do love I love <clears throat> what Josh does, and uh, the my YouTube algorithm has uh, picked up on it. I promise you, this is always one of the first couple of things that's suggested. Um. Bill says, how much negative recruiting of Alex Atkins head coaching prospects after the season are affecting offensive line recruiting? Uh, I would say, like, not that much. Ultimately, like, I'm, I'm sure it, it gets kicked around, but, like, people negatively recruited Alex Atkins for other things too, right? Like, you should have seen some of the memes that, that like, were sent to kids when, when Ravel first hired him because he hadn't coached at the Power 5 level before, right? Like, negative recruiting happens – on pretty much every 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 kid, right, or every coach. So I I can't say it doesn't happen. I think it probably absolutely happens. But I mean, you'd rather have your coach be negatively recruited that he's gonna like get a head, big head coaching job than not because it means you got a stud, right? Right. Yeah. I think FSU should wish that some of these other coaches it has on staff are, are getting like maybe recruited in that way. Um. Antoine Stone says uh, he's heard their negative recruiting Odell saying he's about to retire. His development speaks for itself. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's out there. That's How also that, a, a, around? that lot. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's a, that's something that's been said for a decade. So um, I wouldn't get too overly worried about that. Does landing Charles Lester, Booker Pickett, and LJ McCray change how you view defensive recruiting? Yes, some. I think if you if you whiff on those guys, then, then uh, there's going to be a lot lot of conversation. If you want to recruit to a national title level, it's like those guys don't take any more three stars in the class, or maybe like one more, and land more players in the top two four seven. We know defensive recruiting rankings are really good. Freaks athletically translate mm -hmm. to good defensive players. Mm -hmm. You can kind of scheme your way to points. It's very hard to scheme your way to stops within reason. So you need to get to freaks. So it's like those guys plus more that, that they would they would need before I think you're like on the right track with defensive recruiting. Um, no, Pate is not drinking that kind of coffee on the air anymore. No, I, that, that was, I think, a, a one-time thing. Um, we had some other ones. Dak... Uh, Dax K asks, if Jordan, not if Jordan, uh, Jordan leaves, where do you go from there? Do we pick up a portal quarterback uh, and have the young guys compete? I, I think Rodemaker's going to have a shot at the job, assuming he progresses well this year, right? I don't know, like, if Duffy and, and, and Glenn, maybe, uh, Duffy possibly. But maybe they go portal. Like, I, I talked some about this the other day. I was like, you know, do you – you don't want to have a reputation as always going to the portal. You know, it, it would be good if you develop some of your guys from, from inside the program. If you don't think any of those guys can get you to maintain a high level of winning, then hit the portal. But like, I don't know that I would go to the portal just to get a guy to take me from like nine wins to 10 wins. I would go to the portal. If there was a guy who's like, he really increases your shot of winning ACC and making the playoff. Mm -hmm. that that type of thing otherwise I, I think you you develop with it or maybe luke comes in and uh and does a really good job and and wins the job as a freshman i guess it's possible khalil young says marvin jones jr hurt more than anything i can't lie i was broken i think he's a d offensive end and a four down front not in georgia's three down but that's me no i mean that was a tough uh recruitment and, and this is the time that we said at the time you're going to start to feel them and uh, I'm not I like I don't I'm not like I don't even think Rising Spear was around so I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody when I say this uh, but like the Marvin Jones Jr. and I've referenced this I think I referenced this a year ago before I had anything to do with NLI uh, or NIL, NIL. Uh, although the two do happen to be related um, like I think you were two times behind Alabama and four times behind what Georgia put out there. So that, that kind of goes to the point where I'm saying you don't necessarily have to be the most competitive, but you do have to be competitive. Uh, now that was a issue from like the earliest iteration of name, image, and likeness. And 
uh, you know, just see what the ramifications of uh, that as you go down the line. But um, yeah, Marvin Jones Jr. would be a massive piece uh, on this defense right now. And uh, that's one that, uh, as we predicted, you, you're going to start to feel in 23 and 24. I mean, they have been in it for this is why people are like, why, why, why don't you get on, you know, DN recruiting like you do linebacker recruiting? The results have been the same. The methodology is not. They have been in it for Falk. They were legitimately in it for, for Nigel Leak. Obviously, you know, Marvin Jones. Uh, shoot, probably another guy I'm missing. Like, you, you can't show me, like, the big-time linebackers that they went down to the wire for. They they really don't exist. They, they were not in it for any of those. Um, so, yeah, like, again, the results have been the same. The reasons have been different. And, and and the process has been different. I actually, uh, I got to go through, throw some makeup in my hairline. Uh, there you so go. I, I okay. Can, I can get on the air. <laughs> the honesty. You probably, you probably need a nap, man. I need something. Definitely. Oh, uh, uh, an hour and six minutes into it. Great to be able to be back uh, as a full null cast. Thank you for all the support. Uh, great to have as many live uh, consumers of the product as we do. And a big shout out to all the OG pod listeners. Uh, as we uh, thank them, as they're still kind of the spine of this operation from a content conception or from a content consumption standpoint. So, till next time, big thank you for myself, bud, everybody associated with the Nolcast. Talk to you soon.